The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed, and you're listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio. We welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. So let's kick off the show. Let the countdown begin. You know, this week on the Pet Buzz, we're talking about watching out for canine eye conditions. When was the last time you checked your pet's eyes? Well, veterinarian ophthalmologist, Dr. Lucien Vallone, he's a clinical assistant professor at the Texas A&M Veterinary Medical Teaching Hospital, is talking with us about three main categories of canine eye problems. That's in segment four. So you want to stick around for that. Don't miss her. Bravo TV's Real Housewife, Sonia Tremont Morgan, is here to discuss the challenges of pet ownership. From affording veterinary care for her dogs to rehoming her cat, Sonia is always real and unfiltered. And that's why she's one of the favorite housewives of the Bravo franchises. Listen to her interview in segment number three. Well, in the Celebrity Pet Scoop, we're giving you the latest 411 about celebrities and their pets. Learn which Seattle Seahawk is helping pet owners in abusive situations. Also in segment two is Flex Facts. Well, it turns out, and maybe you've heard this, a Virginia deceased pet owner's wish was to have her dog euthanized so that they could be laid to rest together. And that sparked national backlash. Now, according to the Chesterfield County Police Department, the public information officer there said the dog was taken to the Chesterfield County Animal Shelter after her owner was found dead in her home on March 8th. So she has the will. The owner dies. Miss Emma goes to the local shelter and she stayed there until the executor collected her on March 22nd. The shelter staff offered to have the executor sign the dog over to the shelter so that the dog could be adopted out. But the executor declined and took the dog. So the dog, Miss Emma, was euthanized soon after and turned with her owner. I know you're saying to yourself, like, this is outrageous. I wanted to know how this could happen. So joining us to talk about how this horrible and unnecessarily killing is Amanda Howell, a staff attorney with the Animal Legal Defense Fund. We're so happy to have you. This is your first time being here. Obviously, the Animal Legal Defense Fund's been here before, but this is your first time. It is, and thank you so much for having me. Glad you're with us because this has been bothering me since the day I heard about this shocking case. Can you explain to us how this healthy dog was euthanized to be interned with the owner? It's a really terrible outcome, and this you know heartbreaking case of a healthy dog being needlessly um, euthanized just simply because her owner died um, really illustrates the fundamental problem of viewing animals as property. You know, obviously the Animal Legal Defense Fund is of the position that the legal system should really more accurately reflect our understanding of animals as individuals and not, you know, inanimate objects that are 
disposed of any will provision. But I thought courts were kind of changing that thought or animals. I know in the state of Virginia, that's what this, I think one of the keys to this case was that the dog was considered property. But I thought courts around the country were kind of starting to change their position. That's a yes and no, Charlotte. Um, animals are still property in all 50 states. Um, and that's, you know, this is one manifestation of a problem of treating animals as merely property. That said, there are some states like California that are moving towards treating animals the way that they should be treated under the legal system, for instance, in, in divorce cases, considering the best interests of the animal, not simply trying to divide that up the same way you would, you know, uh, your, your car or any other inanimate object or that you own. Well, you know, it's so interesting. So the dog is considered property. The owner asked that she wanted to be buried with her two dogs that were already dead. Maybe it was their ashes. And then Emma has to be euthanized. But is it ethical? I would say that the more moral um, and ethical thing to do here, both on the part of the shelter and the executor, would, first of all, to go to the judge and ask for guidance. The probate judge would be able to give instructions and perhaps uh, we call it cypray in, in the legal system, but effectuate something that would take care of the dog in a way that the, would make the owner happy without needlessly, again, killing the dog. But again, if, if the owner was concerned about her dog after her passing, uh, what should have happened would be to create a pet trust, basically leaving instructions and resources for the animal in the event of someone's death. So let's talk a little bit about the chain of custody, because obviously, you know, what I know or what our knowledge is, is basically what we've just read in the newspapers. Really, what seems to be the key to this case is the Chesterfield County Animal Shelter. From what I understand, once the dog was found in the house with the dead owner, she was then turned over to the animal shelter. They took possession of the dog and they had the dog for about two weeks. Did they have to give the dog back to the executor to be euthanized or did they have alternatives? Well, I would say that the shelter should have, again, gone to a probate judge. First of all, refused to um, deliver the dog to the executor once it was clear that the executor intended to euthanize the dog needlessly. Um, Simply, again, this is a healthy dog we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the shelter was clear that they could have found a a home for the dog where Emma could have continued to live a happy, healthy life for many years to come. Generally, judges have refused to enforce provisions like this in wells, even in states that haven't passed laws explicitly banning these provisions. Yeah, I mean... Honestly, I think if they did do what you suggested by going to the judge or hiring a lawyer and forging a case, I think there are so many animal organizations that would have come to their aid to help them in terms of legal expenses with this case. Agreed. You know, so it- and, and the Animal Legal Defense Fund in the past has amicus briefs to support uh, shelters from having to deliver dogs for euthanasia in cases like this. Exactly. I mean, I didn't want to commit you, so I'm glad that you brought that up. (laughs) But, you know, now I'm curious, how can we better educate shelters about this type of situation? I think that it's important for shelters to know that they don't have to deliver the dog, that they can go to the court for instructions. I think it's important for executors to know that they can do the same. I think it's important for individuals to know that they can create pet trusts for the animals so they don't have to worry about them, what happens to them after they pass away, uh, that they won't be taken care of or end up in a shelter indefinitely. That wouldn't have been the case here. Emma could have continued to live her life. Yeah, I mean, there are a few things that I was always, that, you know, like I said, we we obviously don't have all the information we needed, but, you know, I was always 
wondering when was this will made because perhaps even though the owner was an older gal maybe she thought that she would outlive the dog i mean most dogs what today they live nine to maybe 12 years i mean that's not always the case depending on the breed she's generally tend to live a little longer life but maybe she thought that she would outlive her dog. If that was the case, then maybe the will should have been revised or maybe they should have contacted the lawyer and asked the lawyer what the intent was when she made that provision in her will. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, maybe I would agree. And, and I think that, again, the intent, I hope that the intent of any owner is to care for their animals and to ensure that they lead happy, healthy lives. And I think the attorney in this case, the executor, the attorney drafting the will, all could have, you know, told the the decedent in this case that, you know, that there's a pet trust that is available here. Um, and again, I, I have to stress that animals really should not be treated as property here. Both in the owner and the executor and the and the attorney who drafted the will all made this assumption that Emma was just basically a piece of property. Um, what they should have done was either create a pet trust, um, and even if that provision made itself into the will, it's usually held as void because it goes against public policy. As a society, we respect animals and we really cherish uh, companion animals, especially as parts of the family. Um, So it's really heartbreaking to see here that the animal is treated as, as, again, nothing more than an inanimate object. Um, Again, if it had made it in front of any judge, I'm I'm confident that the provision would have been void against public policy and that the judge would have blocked Emma's killing and found a better way to effectuate um, probably what the uh, decedent here wanted, which is the care of Emma. Well, we hope so. But you know what? You gave me Mm -hmm. a good idea. Now I'm going to have to get a trust and estates lawyer to come in and talk about putting together a pet trust so that this does not happen to you. So thank you so much, Amanda Howell from the Animal Legal Defense Fund for bringing this to our attention to talk about some of these issues. We're going to take a commercial break. Get ready for Flex Facts. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, visit www.epi-pet.com. Hey, I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed, and research shows walking at least a half an hour every day can reduce a person's risk for heart disease and other serious illnesses. So regular walking is a great way to live a long and happy life. 
For most dogs, an hour of physical activity each day is necessary and will help them lead healthier lives free of disease. Walking a dog does not only have a physical benefit, there are plenty of psychological benefits for both the dog and the owner. There are so many smells, sights, and sounds in the outdoors that a dog is mentally stimulated every time he or she walks out the front door. Taking a dog on a walk will also help to solidify the strong bond between you and your animal. Give your dog some positive attention by doing what he or she loves. Take your dog out for a neighborhood walk today. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Here at the Pet Buzz, we are urban, suburban, and and country. country. Well, you know what? I don't know if you've heard this, but NFL player Seahawk Russell Wilson and his wife, singer Sierra, they have four pooches. And here's the thing. They can really sympathize as loving pet owners with other pet owners living in domestic violence situations. So according to Wilson, about half of the domestic violence victims stay in abusive situations because they fear for their safety of their pets. Only 10% of domestic violence shelters allow pets. So Wilson is working with the Banfield Foundation, you know, Banfield Animal Hospital, on a Safer Together initiative. Through the initiative, the Banfield Foundation is investing a million dollars toward pet-friendly domestic programs in the form of grants, the creation of an advisory committee, and continuing education for veterinary professionals on how to help pets and their owners in domestic violence situations. The grants will go to qualified nonprofit organizations that are working on creating safe solutions for pet owners looking to leave abusive households with their animals. Well, I just want to say thank you so much, Russell, for looking after pets and their people. So, Let's move on. So, Dr. Fleck, are you ready to talk about some Flex facts? Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers! I want the truth! It's going to take long. You got the time. Well, if you don't know, visiting the vet for a routine checkup or for a health concern throughout your pet's life is definitely a necessity. To make your visit as efficient and useful as possible, you want to make sure you're prepared in advance, that you use your time efficiently at the vet's office and be prepared to follow up afterwards. So, Dr. Fleck, let me ask you, when scheduling your appointment, what should pet owners do? Depends on whether you're scheduling an appointment for medical care or whether it's for preventative medical care. Okay, so let's talk about medical care. Medical what should care, we do? You're going to be emotional. It's a concern. You need to have as much information about what the problem is with that pet that you're capable of, of bringing. So write it down because you'll write it forget. Down. Okay. When you come into the office, you'll be so emotionally upset. Write it down. Okay. Now, you were talking about preventative care, your routine checkups. So for coming in for preventative care, generally speaking, you're going to have a wellness exam by the veterinarian Mm -hmm. from head to tail. So you don't really have to worry about prepping yourself so much. Just be prepared to answer the questions the doctor asks. Okay. I think those are great points. And I also think sometimes things come up too. Like, for example, if you think your pet's nails are a little long, just remind them, say, hey, you know, I'm afraid to cut the nails. Or can you show me how to cut the nails? Because you only go maybe once or twice a year to the vet, right? 
Good receptionists will almost always ask that when you're coming into the veterinary office. Would you like the doctor or the staff to clip the nails today? Yeah, please do. <laughs> Your nails will want the pet's nails will want. Yeah, you know, this pedicure. Is, now, I'm going to ask you another question because I think I find this really interesting. So especially with cats, I think before they come to the vet, they need to be familiar with the carrier and dogs should be wearing a leash. Because a lot of times people bring them in boxes or walk into the vet's office with no leash, a string. They forget that other pets are in the in the office, correct? They do forget that, but you got to get out of the house first, especially mm-hmm. with cats. You sometimes pull out that carrier and you're looking for the cat for three days. So you somehow have to make sure that the cat feels comfortable with the carrier. And when you collect the cat, put it into the carrier, even if you're collecting it in the morning for an afternoon visit. So do it as much in advance as you possibly can for the cat. As far as the dog, they always have to be on leashes. Mm -hmm. And when they're in the doctor's offices, they need to remain on leashes. And if you have small dogs and carriers, they need to remain in the carrier until you go in with the doctor's visit. Okay. I know he's curious about this because they say when you travel, you shouldn't feed your pet in the morning if you're traveling. So do you think it's a good idea to feed your pet that morning? I think you should have as much normal activity that you would have every day. So if your appointment is for 11, 12 o'clock, please go ahead and just feed like you normally would feed. But make sure that you walk the pet before you come. Let them void before they come into the office. So as much normal activity as you have, psychologically, it's as important for psychosomatic diseases. We don't want to have that represented. I like the idea of having a morning workout. I used to whack my dogs an extra special time before I went to the vet. So they'd be a little bit tired before they got there and they'd be a little calmer. Yeah, I just think that if you follow the, the normal routine is what should happen. Okay. So we talked about bringing notes. Okay. What else should you bring when you go to the vet's office? Well, if you're coming in for preventative care in particular, mm-hmm. you want to bring a poop sample. Okay. Also, we're probably going to end up drawing blood because we do that once a year for the canines Mm -hmm. for heartworm prevention. So be prepared for that. Um, If the dog is a little bit difficult to work with, just be prepared to work with the staff on how to restrain the pet. Those are the important things to remember. And just don't be nervous. Just enjoy the visit. Oh, so thank you for that, Dr. Fleck. So what should pet owners do if they have an aggressive dog or cat? How do you deal with an aggressive animal? Do you use a muzzle on a dog if it's aggressive when you're trying to examine it? Does the owner hold it? What, like what happens once you get into that coveted room behind the door? Both of those are options. And we really like to have our staff do most of the work. You mean the having that your be, assistance? Be, when your assistance, when you, you have them restrained so that you can do the physical exam. Okay. You have them restrained so that you can... Uh, Draw the blood from the, say, the vein in the one of the front leg veins. Mm-hmm. Um, so they need to be under control to be able to do that. And they can't be aggressively going after our staff members or sure. after the doctor, uh, or we don't have staff members or doctors to treat anymore. So in many instances, what we do is we have to have muzzles that we put on. We always ask the pet owner if we can do that first. If we can't, and the pet owner can't help restrain, then we can't really treat them that way. Occasionally, we have some that are so difficult to work with that they have to be restrained with restraining medication or sedation. 
And, but that's very, very rare. Almost in all instances, all pets can be dealt with. With cats, it's a little different story. Sometimes, you know, if you're trying to draw blood from the front leg in a cat and somebody's trying to hold it, and even if you have a muzzle on, they still have claws and they can work at you that way. So in many instances, if they're that difficult to work with, we have a squeeze cage that we can put them in, sedate them with medication, and then humanely deal with uh, all the testing we need to do. So, Dr. Fleck, do you think that people should have a good idea of the rates prior to the visit? And also, do you think it's a good idea to tell them that there might be some additional expenses? Yes, to all of those questions. Uh, most veterinary hospitals, most clinics uh, have a website and have their their fees already published. And so that's a, a place where you can go look to find out what the cost is of the services uh, that you're looking for. Now, if anybody has any questions, where should they write to you at? Just right here to the Pet Buzz, team at the Pet Buzz media channels. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Dr. Fleck, for another interesting Flex Facts. Okay, still to come on the Pet Buzz is global pet news about the catastrophe in Philadelphia. Also in segment four, we'll be chatting with a veterinary ophthalmologist who will discuss some of the more common eye problems our dogs have. But next up, Real Housewife of New York City is joining us. Stay tuned for Sonia Morgan. She's so real and unfiltered. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. They call me Prince like I'm royalty or something. But the places I've lived ain't no palaces. So I don't need grilled salmon or a new scratching post. Just give me a cardboard box and a can of tuna and we're good. You can even change my name. I'm cool being the kitty formerly known as Prince. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. Now, I bet you're curious about my I likey of the week. Well, my I likey of the week is the Mr. Peanut expandable carrier. The carrier is like most lightweight carriers with handle straps and a you know, fleece interior. But I love that it had straps in the rear. So if you want to put it through the seat belt, you can secure it in your car. Most importantly, I like the numerous ventilation panels. But what I even like the best or the most was the extension areas that it gave your pet. It's about 60 bucks and I'm giving it like the five bark or the five wolf or the five bones, five stars. I'm going to put a picture up of the carrier extended on social media. So if you're traveling by train, if you're traveling by plane, if you're traveling by car, your pet will actually have some more room to stretch out with, which I think is really nice. 
seems like everyone has pets on Bravo franchises, Real Housewives. From coast to coast, whether it's Andy with Watcha and Lisa with Jiggy, whether they're big or small, purebred or rescued, we love them all. Housewife fans just love all the dogs on the show. But one of our favorite pet owners is Sonia Morgan. Welcome to the Petbo, Sonia. It's great that you're here. You're such a great pet owner and, you know, you're a beloved housewife. So quick question for you. So why are you considered the craziest pet mom of the NYC franchise? Well, I guess because I'm a pet mom, first of all. I'm just known for being crazy. I like to have a good time when I'm with the girls on the show and I'm unfiltered. You are unfiltered. and But you really do love your dogs. I mean, I think that shows. Over the years, it shows. You know, whether you're riding horses and falling off of them with Kelly, you know, you're always having a good time. Right. I think people love that about you. Okay, so have you always had animals your whole entire life? And if you have, can you talk about some of the pets that really made an impression on you? Oh, yeah. I grew up with pets. I've had St. Bernard's, German Shepherds, Labradors, lots of rescue mutts that we have no idea what their origins were. Cats, we've had sheep. Cows, guinea hens, rabbits. So I'm an animal lover. Well, I think one of the things people love about you is that you always keep it real. And I remember you saying that Milo loved your dirty underwear. What was that all about? You know, they like their owner scent in general. Yeah. But it can be a little embarrassing when you have a date over and they go to put their shorts on and they're wet. Oh, that's right, Sonia Morgan. Well, if you've just joined us, I'm talking with Sonia Morgan from Bravo's Real Housewives of New York. She's one of our favorite housewives because, like she said, she keeps it real and she's unfiltered. So uh, we're talking about Sonia's love of dogs and and all the crazy things that have happened to her uh, in the last few years with her dogs. Oh, Charlotte, Charlotte, this season they show me on the automobile, you know, going up to see Luann and Kingston, and I'm brushing my dog's hair with my... I brush and then I said well maybe I'll brush my own hair it needs it more than his but who I mean, doesn't that do brush- that I mean people were appalled by that I mean I've done the same thing you know like you're exactly. away you got you're like oh I forgot the dog brush you know you just take your you know mason brush out brush your hair and then you want your dog to look good what's the big deal well I mean I think if if I didn't keep my dog clean you know and he was like kind of messed up or living outside I don't see the difference really <laughs> yeah neither do I Especially it's like and to be honest with you, your hairbrush, the human hairbrush is much nicer. I mean, especially if you're living in New York, you know, I, I, hey, look, you know, people always say, oh, the New York dogs, they don't get enough exercise. They're locked in apartments. Really? They don't know how New York dogs live. New York dogs have the greatest life. Well, let's get back to you because that's what that's what we're, we're here to talk about. We're all much more flexible, all of us, people and animals, when you live in the concrete village. I remember... In one of the episodes, you had a confrontation with Aviva because Milo was sick and you couldn't attend one of her events. And she really didn't understand you choosing a vet visit for your sick dog over her event. Like, can you discuss why she didn't get it? Well, first of all, it was her charity for her cause, you know, for prosthetics for people who need them. Right. But. She wasn't thinking about me. I wasn't just going on an everyday vet visit. This was my dog who was dying, and I tried to explain that to her, and she just wasn't hearing it, even after Ramona explained it. I know. You guys were sitting there having dinner, and the thing is, she has a dog now, right? Doesn't Aviva have dogs now? She has a new puppy now. So I bet you... If we asked her, like now, I think she would get it now. It's kind of like a little bit like Star Jones. Do you remember when Star Jones didn't have a dog? Uh Uh-huh. 
I remember I would be on The View and Elizabeth would run into the makeup room because everybody back then shared this one big makeup room. And Elizabeth would run in and go, oh, my God, Star is coming. Take Burberry out. The Burberry was my golden retriever at the time. Take Burberry out. Go back into your <laughs> go back into your dressing room. And now you see Star. Star schlepping Pinky Michelle. I, I think yeah. Pinky Michelle is still a Pinky Michelle to the Kentucky. I remember the first year, first year she took Pinky Michelle to the Kentucky Derby. I mean, you don't take dogs to the Kentucky she's Derby. From, yeah, she's converted. She's one of us. I was kind of thinking about that. I'm like, how did you not get it? I mean, and I understand Aviva Ch- Aviva's charity is really important to her. But when your child or when your dog is sick. No, no event comes before that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So now let's talk about Marley. Because I now this is not some something from, oh, I'm going to bring up something that I didn't see in the show. But something I read about um, you and your relationship with dog. So Marley is your daughter's dog, correct? Right. Marley is with me in my new pink apartment, my little tiny apartment, because my townhouse is rented. And he's my daughter's dog. I couldn't give up my daughter's dog. And it's a dog-to-dog basis in this building. But the hard thing was I had to rehome my rescue pets, which were Rouge, who came from a very good family, and Kitty, who I found outside, right in front of my door. So Kitty had been with me, what, 10 years? I guess Rouge had been with me maybe six years. Mm-hmm. So I found really good families for them. Family but, friends. You know what I didn't really understand? And I, and, and people go through this every day. It's not for people to criticize what you do when you have to rehome. Sometimes circumstances come up like moving to a new apartment or, you know, having to change your lifestyle or sometimes you have to make those decisions. And, you know, I don't think it's anyone to criticize. I mean, I think you got a little flack for rehoming the dog and the cat. A lot of flack. People said I shouldn't have a pet. They don't know my story. They don't know that I found that little cat outside my door and I took him in as I was leaving on a vacation. Had, a, you know, woman come babysit the little cat for the weekend and feed it with an eyedropper and kept it for 10 years. And, yeah. um, you know, Rouge, somebody else had and then asked me to take because they were getting two other dogs. So, you know, he went from a good home to a good home. And now he's in a really great home. He's very town and country now, living in Maine. And they said 23 hours out of 24, he's on their lap. I mean, a literal lap dog. You know, it's the same thing. I mean, like, think about all the dogs. I mean, people love to talk about rescue dogs. So it's the same thing. At some point, somebody had to, not every situation is an abuse situation. Sometimes people can't care for their dogs. Sometimes they end up having a child that becomes allergic. You just don't know what the circumstance is. And I never think you should criticize anybody. If someone reaches out and says, can you help me? Sure. If you know someone who wants a dog, that's what you do every possible thing you do. And also remember, it's reality TV, folks. So you don't really see what goes on behind the scenes. Oh, right? my God. No, they only see a sliver of our lives. Right. They make it, it was as- so hard for me to find a home for Kitty because nobody really was looking for a 10 year old cat with a saggy belly. I mean, I felt like that was me with the saggy belly. Who wants me? And um, this fabulous guy through my makeup artist who's like family to me, he found this guy who's an actor over in Hell's Kitchen and now Kitty models, you know, cat bowls and cat leashes. And I mean, traveling, it's unbelievable. 
Everybody's circumstance is different. So I always say, don't criticize until you know what goes on behind that closed door. And then the last question, it's like I said, something that happened a a while ago with Marley. I had read in an interview that soon after Hurricane Irene, your dog Marley got hit by a car. And you were mentioning like, you know, you know, there you were, you're a single parent, um, even though you're, you were married to a Morgan at one point. And, you know, you have to pay a lot of expenses to maintain your house at the time and other things that were going on in your life. And it was just vet care was really expensive. And you were really fortunate that Dr. Dominic J. Marino from Long Island Veterinary Specialist helped you care for Marlon. I think he gave you a freebie if that's what I read. But, you know, luckily, right. Okay, Sonia, before we go, give me your website. It's Sonia Morgan with a sexy J, right? So Sonia Morgan online dot com with a sexy J. Well, anyway, that was sexy Sonia Morgan, the realist, (laughs) real housewife of New York City. So what's next? When I come back, I'm going to fill you in on Pet Buzz Global News. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. I'm back, and this is pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. Here at the Pet Buzz, we are urban, suburban, and country. So let's kick off this segment with some interesting news. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. You know, Philadelphia's feral cat population has been an issue for a really long time. But you know, in recent years, the number of stray cats roaming the streets has really just exploded with hundreds of colonies clustered in vacant lots, abandoned buildings, neighborhood yards. You know, you're not going to believe this, but Philadelphia is now home to nearly half a million stray or feral cats. I know half a million. I can't even believe that. You know, and residents say they've kind of, they're sick of it. Now, according to the city's animal care and control team, every single shelter in the city is overflowing. And literally it's spring, it's mating season for cats. They tend to mate more in the spring. And there is literally not enough space in these shelters. So what has Philly done? It has literally turned to neighborhood volunteers to serve on the front lines of the war to control feral cat problems. Now, you're probably thinking, if you listen to the show on a regular basis, this is reminding you of why Australia is calling cats. I'm not saying that's the solution, obviously not, but 
Colony caretakers are community volunteers who help trap the strays and get them fixed. In Philadelphia, this is a free service getting them fixed provided by Animal Care and Control Team, which will return the cats to their neighborhoods or colony caretakers in a process known as trap, neuter, and release, or TNR. And this is something that the cat community is really up in arms about. Some people are for it. Some people are against it. So though the program's impact isn't crystal clear, like, do the cats really survive? I mean, most feral cats survive, like, maybe two to three years, four years at the most, because of the diseases they pick up and stuff. But some believe it can make a difference. But like I said, some have objected to the program, saying that outdoor cats are a menace to birds and other wildlife. So... I want to know what you think of the Philadelphia program. So tweet, post on the Pet Buzz social media channels, or you can write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. Let us know your thoughts, because I think this is a really interesting situation. It's so interesting. I think I'm going to bring on someone from Philadelphia next week from Animal Care and Control, the team, to talk about this, because I kind of want to know what's going on in Philadelphia. Well, our guest is on the phone. We can't forget about our guest. So joining us today to talk about canine eye problems is Dr. Lucien Vallone, a clinical assistant professor at the Texas A&M College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences. He specializes in ophthalmology and regularly treats eye conditions in dogs. So, Dr. Vallone, welcome to the Pet Buzz. Hello, and thank you both very much for having me. Yeah, we're excited that you're here. Well, Dr. Vallone, does... A dog's eye health deteriorate the same way or the same way of that of a human's? It does in uh, several ways, and it varies in several ways. So one of the things that we can relate to is a condition called presbyopia, which is a technical term for the hardening of the lens inside of your eye. At about age 40, most people need corrective lenses to focus uh, for things in their near field, like reading. Uh, We get bifocals. Uh, We don't prescribe bifocals for dogs, but we see a similar change in their lens, and we call that nuclear sclerosis. And a lot of owners will look at their dogs about the time that they hit the age of six, seven, or eight and notice that the, uh, the eyes look a little bit cloudy. And we see a lot of Clients come in for this condition, uh, say, why is my, my dog's eye cloudy? And sometimes there are some nonspecific signs of you know, impacts of vision, like maybe they misjudge jumping up on the couch or the bed uh, because maybe their depth perception and focus is a little bit off. Um, but overall, we don't think that that impacts uh, vision very much. And also, can you discuss some of the main categories of canine eye problems and how they affect the canine eyes? There are... A lot of ways to categorize in that when inflamed or when abnormal, you can divide red eye or inflamed eye conditions into diseases of the surface of the eye, which is the clear cornea and the conjunctiva, inflammation within the eye, which we call uveitis, or an increased pressure within the eye that uh, damages the optic nerve leading to blindness, which is known as glaucoma. So those three conditions, ocular surface, uveitis, and glaucoma, are some of the most common categories of disease that we see dogs presenting with pain or redness. Well, you kind of talked about some symptoms that we see as humans, but what can we expect to see with the 
eye problems in the canine. So dogs can't talk, uh, can't point to their eye and explain you know, what's wrong like we can. So we have to use more subtle cues to dial into what the disease is. And for pain, some of the most consistent signs of pain that sometimes are discounted are squinting. Um, and that can be one eye or both eyes. Um, some owners will think that their dog is just tired, but uh, squinting, especially if it's associated with a spasm of the eyelids, like it's, like they're twitching a little bit, is almost always a sign of ocular pain. Increased tearing from the eyes uh, would be a sign to see your vet, and changes of color. I think those are the biggest three that are most broad. So if an eye changes from clear to blue, that's a problem, from white to red, you know, that's the conjunctiva, see your vet. You know, it's like one of these things that we never really talk about. I know, but it helps, helps it me. It does, and that's why we're so glad that you're here. <laughs> hey, one last question, and this is kind of a scary uh, question for, for people that are watching their pet maybe go blind. If the dog does go blind, why should we not worry as much? People in general have a tendency to anthropomorphize, uh, project human feelings into their animals. We think of vision as likely falling as their third-ranked sense as far as how they engage with the world behind their sense of smell and hearing. Um, their vision, their acuity relative to humans is about two to three times less so at uh, what we know as the classic eye exam chart, um, The you know looking at the letters from about 20 feet across the, the room, the Snellen eye chart. So when they lose vision, they are much better uh, adapted to compensate for vision loss. And we think of it as a nuisance rather than a disability. Well, uh, I, also I, think, I also think, too, um, that you that, that we're dogs are very fortunate because they have other senses. You know, they have their hearing, which is, uh, which is great, and they also have their noses. So that, I, I think... You know, because it, it, when we first asked the question, it, it sounds kind of like horrible. But when you think about it, they heavily rely on their noses and they heavily revolve. And don't move the furniture around. Right. Exactly. Oh. And then, yeah. And then there's doggles and there's also something called uh, Muffin's Halo that can help blind dogs. I don't know if you've ever seen that. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sylvie's a good friend of mine. Dr. Vallone, thank you for being who you are and thank you for joining us today on the Pet Buzz talk about these great eye issues yeah i mean uh, you know a very very important well everyone that was dr lucian valone discussing canine common eye problems to learn more visit vetmed.tamu that's tamu.edu that's vetmed.tamu.edu well that's the bell signifying it's time to wrap the show it's always like the worst time for me because I'm always sad to like go because there's always so much to talk about. But anyway, before we go, we want to give you a preview of what's going to be on next week's show. Well, next week we're going to talk about hurricane preparedness because, you know, June is hurricane month. Get prepared for hurricanes, feline diabetes, estate planning. And of course, I told you we got to talk about Philadelphia. But before we go, we must thank our guests. Special thanks to Amanda Howell, Sonia Tremont Morgan, and veterinarian Dr. Lucien Vallone. And of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Now, you guys know if you have a question, write us at teamatthepetbuzz.com and we'll cover it on our next show. 
We always want to like keep in touch with you guys. And just so you know, you can follow along on our social media channels as the show airs. You know, I drop notes and pictures and throw in a few thoughts in there. And we always love to have pictures of Dr. Fleck and I in the studio. But if you've missed any portion of the show, visit our social media channels and listen to the linked podcast on Monday. You can also check out our brand new website, thepetbuzz.com. I think it's got a little, th- a little bit for everyone. There's some great blog posts by some of our guests. But most importantly, I want you to remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, visit www.epi-pet.com. Know what? What? Since I got adopted, I've learned a lot about these humans. Uh, I know. I mean, check out these two. It's Flirt City over here. Yeah, I noticed that. It looks like my human is definitely into your human. Oh, look. I think she's getting his number. Nice. Your human's got some sweet moves. Takes after his dog. (laughs) Oh, look, they're doing that thing where they put their arms around each other. She kicked up a leg. It's like in the movies. That's awesome. Looks like we're going to be hanging out a little bit more. 